And it was the, the greatest leadership challenge by far of my life, just starting something from scratch. No board, no ministry, no money, no nothing. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast brought to you by CCB Technology. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and this is the podcast where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. Join me as I work to figure this leadership thing out on purpose. The conversation in this episode is with John Nelson, and it hits home personally for me, not just because of the topic itself, but because of who he is and what he represents to myself and my wife. So John helped officiate our wedding. He was a gentleman that I reported indirectly to when I worked at Youth for Christ a long time ago. Uh, He's the dad of one of my good friends, and he has a tremendous amount of knowledge. He's experienced things both in corporate America and in the nonprofit space. So you're going to benefit greatly from this. My challenge to you is to pick out just one thing that you can take action on afterwards because there's going to be a ton of good pieces of knowledge that he's going to share about the topic of servant leadership and not just theory, not just what it is in concept, but how to, what steps should people take to become a servant leader. So here we go. Get ready. Conversation with John Nelson is starting now. All right, so John, I have known you for over 20 years, which is crazy to think about. It's amazing. Um, and I've benefited greatly from knowing you, uh, but I'm sure there's there's a bunch of people listening in that need a little more intro, a little more formal introduction. So before we get into the questions uh, regarding servant leadership, why don't you tell us all a little bit about who you are, what you're all about, and uh, some of your background. Well, I'm a Racine kid. Okay. Born and raised right here in Racine. Uh, grew up on a farm on the south side of Racine on Lathrop Avenue, which is really relevant, I think, to where I am today. Learned a lot of lessons on the farm. Uh, one brother, three sisters, mom and dad, who just really loved the Lord and took us to church all the time and built into us and graduated from Case High School last century. Okay, <laughs> 1970. Went on to college, got a college degree, played some sports in college, did all that, and then... Uh, Came out of school, but you know, I was thinking about this actually earlier, Steve, about what the leadership context is. I think where I really got attracted to leadership was on the playground. Okay. I think it, I went to a little country school, BB Elementary School on Taylor and Lathrop Avenue, and it just kind of found me. I think I was an athlete and, and a little bit bigger and faster than a lot of kids. So you kind of naturally, the kids kind of looked to you, and I became interested in leadership at that time, and I was organizing. It's funny, I watched that movie Sandlot, and mm-hmm. it just brings back so many memories because we would play for hours Sandlot baseball. And a lot of times I was the one that was kind of organizing it and getting everybody there and deciding who the teams were going to be and try to make them fair and all that kind of stuff. So I was attracted to that as a kid. And then, of course, I grew up, played sports in high school and college, and then uh, got married to Brenda. 44 years it's been that we've been married. Awesome. Got got four kids, actually five, counting Laron Ball, mm-hmm. and got a chance to raise my family. Now they're all adults. And right out of college, I, I well, actually, let me back up. In college, I felt a call to the ministry, a very clear call to the ministry. And I, for the life of me, couldn't figure out how that was going to look. I just couldn't imagine. I thought maybe God had his wires crossed. Uh, so I came out of college, not sure what to do next, although I felt like I wasn't really prepared yet 
for the ministry assignment that God had come in my way. And so I spent nine years in the produce business in the marketplace. And near the end of it, I became very discontented. I felt like, you know, I, I knew I was called to ministry and I kept wondering why I was doing this. In retrospect, it was some of the best training I ever had for what God was calling me to do in the church and then with Youth for Christ later on. It was just amazing. I learned how to build relationships. A lot of people see me today and they watch me preach and do different things and they have no clue how introverted I was in high school. I was like off the charts introvert. Okay, and people just can't believe that. But as I got into the produce business, I was forced to get out of my little shell and learn how to build relationships with people I did not know. I was, the business I was in, I was calling all over basically uh, the United States, mostly from our area down to Florida and Texas and all points in between. And I learned how to build a relationship with mostly men that were buyers in the produce market that I didn't, I didn't know who they were. And the key to it was I learned how to build trust. And that was a game changer for me. Of course, a lot of times in life, when you're getting prepared for something, you don't know it till later on. And, and so then uh, I was doing that. I did that for nine years. And then finally, I, uh, the pastor I was working with, we became great friends at our church. And uh, he had invited me to come on staff. So I went on staff in 1984 as associate pastor and youth pastor at our church. And I did that for nine years. Once again, I don't know, I was on the nine-year plan there, it seemed like, for a couple of them. But now, in 1993, I felt that it was time for a change. And so I did something that I would not recommend to anybody, is I resigned my position at the church without having the next position lined up. I don't really recommend that. Yep. Yep. But I knew myself well enough to know that I had to put some pressure on myself. Otherwise, I'd just keep doing. And I knew there was time for a change having four kids from between the ages of five and 17. And at that time then, I was sitting in my office shortly after I resigned, contemplating the future. I got a phone call from a guy I did not know named Bob Dye, and he was a regional director for Youth for Christ. And to make a long story very short, 12 months later, I restarted uh, Southeastern Wisconsin Youth for Christ from scratch. And it was the, the greatest leadership challenge by far of my life just starting something from scratch. No board, no ministry, no money, no nothing. And so I got going, and I soon found out that those nine years in the marketplace, they were key in helping me build relationships of trust. So I launched into that at that point. So that kind of brings us up to speed. Now I've got 14 grandkids, which is crazy. Holy smokes, yeah. Uh, my, my, uh, two of my, well, actually three of my adult children are in the ministry. One's a firefighter, and then Laurent, uh, he's working in a school and also has a ministry that he's involved in. So we feel incredibly blessed by this. But there's been a lot of people along the way that helped me. So now I'm looking back and I had a chance already to practice some things when it comes to leadership. So that's so a little of my story. There's a there's so, so much there. So I'm going to, I know myself uh, and I don't want to go too far off, but we're covering servant leadership and I like stories. So feel free to throw those in whenever you want. Uh, but if you could, I think definitions can be helpful for people. Okay. I've heard you talk about servant leadership before yeah. um, at Case High School when we've worked with the chapel and things like that. But in, in your own words, you know, how would you define servant leadership? Or what does servant leadership look like? Well, I think the best definition I've heard for servant leadership actually comes from Andy Stanley. So I'm going to give him credit for this, although I've modified it just a little bit. But a servant leader 
is a person who uses their authority and influence for the benefit of those people who are under their authority and influence. It really is a beautiful principle where you're, you're taking what has been given to you and using it for the benefit, basically, to the people who, in a sense, are under you and are reporting to you or are influenced by you. This could be the CEO of a company. It could be a pastor at church. could be a coach of a, a football team or basketball team. And it just, when I see it in action, it's a beautiful thing. I learned it firsthand from my dad. Although my dad, if you would ask him what a servant leader is, he probably couldn't have given you a definition like that, but he knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. And he modeled it. And the more I think about it, the more I think he's the one that really showed me what it looks like. So what are some differences then? Um, you touched on it, but what are some differences between servant leadership and what people typically think of when discussing the topic of leadership? Like you talked about it being kind of flipped, uh, mm-hmm. using their influence and their position for people underneath them. So what is it that's the difference between servant leadership and regular stereotypical leadership. Well, I think a lot of times people think about leadership as, you know, people in charge or who have kind of climbed to the top of the heap or whatever or used. In some cases, servant leadership would be the opposite of a person who uses people to get to a a high leadership position. Uh, So it's totally different than that. Uh, the, The person who's a servant leader kind of lets the game come to them. And they maybe are getting promoted along the way because they have a great positive influence, and people respond to them, and people are motivated under their leadership. I think that's one thing. I, you know, when you think about leadership, to me, the question is always is, how are people motivated to really get excited? And I learned a lot. And I know you've talked about John Maxwell, but I learned a lot from him. And I remember learning the idea early back in the 80s, and I was really drawn to this, understanding leadership, that positional leadership is basically the lowest form of leadership. A person is following you because they have to. You haven't got much going for you. Mm-hmm. But if you're a leader, like a servant leader, and people trust you, and I think that's that's the difference, uh, very clear for me, is people have a great trust in you that you have. They're convinced that you have their well-being in mind. And so what happens with a servant leader is they're focused on that and not necessarily the outcome. The outcome, whether it's making a profit or winning a certain amount of football games, or growing as a church, is the byproduct, really, of being a great servant leader and serving people and setting the example. Now, some people think that there's not this isn't point leadership, and it is. A good servant leader, you're never wondering who's in charge. A person that really is modeling this, like Jesus, for instance, when you read his story and you see his influence, Nobody's wondering who's in charge. They know who's in charge. It's him. And that would be my example right off the bat. Here we are, you know, 2,000 years later, and there's several billion people that say they're followers from a person who really only led for three years. I mean, it's incredible when you think about it. So uh, it's a very unselfish way of looking at it. And that person, they're not worried about how much money they're going to make and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's It's a different way of looking at leadership. So then uh, you've talked about trust several times so far, um, and if, if that's the basis or, or the, the bottom of the, uh, the house that we're building on, right. that's the foundation, um, what are some things that you could think of when you, when you look back or even now, what are some ways that you work to build trust with people? You have to be consistent. 
uh, you and I are reading a book that talks about uh, relational congruence, mm -hmm. yeah. which is a fancy yeah. way of, of saying that people know what they're going to get from you. It's not like you come in the office one day and you're this way, next day you're a different way, and 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 people are you know are hoping that reports you. Well, I hope Steve's in a good mood today. It's not like that. It's it's a very consistent person. You can depend on that person. Not too high, not too low. Uh, they're going to be there for me. That's how you build trust. People know what they get, and there's transparency. I often would share with my staff at Youth for Christ. I'd say to them like, Hey, if I say something to you and I hurt your feelings, this is what I want you to know, that I would never intentionally do that. Never intentionally do it. So if it happens, I, I need for you to talk to me about it, because that's not my intention. And, and I'll say this to you, that when you come to me, don't worry about hurting my feelings, okay? I'd rather have you say what's on your heart and your mind and get it out there. I'm a big boy. Let's deal with it. And I think that produces a consistency and a trust that we're in this thing together. The mission trumps everything. Maybe you've heard that before. And we're focused here. That's what we're focused on. And the outcomes will be a, a byproduct of that. Uh, really a good example, I think, is at Keys High School. I've been working with a football team. And I've been working a lot with the coaches there. And I think I've got most all of them convinced that let your winning be the byproduct of building great character. That if you've got a team full of young men or young women that know how to lead, know how to be servant leaders, you will overachieve almost every time. Leadership is the lid. And if you can raise that, that lid, you'll do more than you ever thought possible. So that's, that's part of the trust. And then just, like I said, being consistent and being truthful and being a person of high character. So good. And, and to tie into this, um, I know that I don't know if, if you would bring this up, so I'm kind of drawing it out of you. Something that you, that you talked to me about just before we started recording that ties into the football team. I think um, if I was one of these players that experienced what you're doing, um, if you could talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you're doing to go above and beyond to show that you are investing in the people behind you know, the football team. Okay, so generally speaking, leadership is all about relationships. Most people know that that have studied leadership or practiced it at all. I would say with servant leadership, it's even more important. I was telling our staff just the other day that think of, of relationships as a conduit. And that conduit carries influence both ways. You to them, them to you. And so what you need to do is you need to build strong relationships. The stronger the relationship, the bigger the conduit. And so what I've been doing at Case High School with the coaches there is I've been really encouraging them to start making home visits because a lot of our kids, especially our inner city kids, they need lots of help and their parents need lots of help. And so actually this morning I made a home visit uh, with a single mom who's got three kids and her oldest son is going to be a ninth grader at Case High School next year. And so what we decided to do, we set up an appointment and we went in there to meet with her so she could see us and see what we're about. And we didn't talk that much about football. We mostly talked about her son and him, you know, doing well and getting off to a good start his freshman year in high school. So my main goal was to start building a relationship with her. And I told her that. I said, hey, you've got my, you've got my cell phone number. And if there's an issue with her son, that you can call me about that. 
And so I, I was trying to help her understand that she can be confident that we really care about her son. It's the old, you know, nobody knows how much you care or cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So I was trying to help her to see that we really, truly care about your son. So that relationship has begun, and it's a very practical thing. I think it's going to be a great win. Matter of fact, the head coach, he had never really been on a house visit like that before. And so when we got done, he just couldn't believe it. He said, wow. He said, what a great investment of time. And so I think that's what leaders do. Leaders are proactive. They don't sit around and wait. They make they take the first step. When I teach leadership to ninth grade boys, I tell them proactivity is the first step. You take the first step. You got to get moving. That's what leaders do. They just don't wait and hope it all works out. So good. So good. So how many of these uh, students are you going to plan on visiting? Well, hopefully, you know, our goal is to have 40. Okay. You know, well, that's our goal. Yeah. Uh, last year, we only had 26 uh, freshman boys on the mm-hmm. football team, and that's not near enough. So... And that's part of the strategy, too, is we want to impact more kids and use football as a lever to help grow men of high character. And so we're going to be very aggressive to go after the kids that we know are in case district, have indicated that they're interested in football, and go meet their parents. That's fantastic. So who are, we mentioned a couple already, um, you know, you said Andy Stanley, you said John Maxwell, but who are some folks, oh, and you mentioned your dad, too, uh, who are some folks that have had the most influence on you and, and, and maybe why are those folks so influential to, to you? Well, yeah, my dad, we've already talked about him. I think that I'm like a lot of people. I, I learn best by example. If I can see it, that really helps. And day in and day out, he, he modeled what we're talking about here so clearly. He served his family. He served us kids. He would, he would always put our needs ahead of his needs. See, that's what we're talking about here. And my, my dad, I would I mean, I would do anything for my dad. We talk about, you know, like they, they run through a wall for that coach. Well, you know, it's because you say stuff like that because you really trust that person. So he had a huge impact in my life. I'd say uh, a little bit later on in ministry, Dave Penn, the, the person that first invited me into full-time ministry, mm-hmm. he had enormous impact on my life. I would watch him in action once again firsthand. And he was the kind of person that if the wheels were coming off, and actually my dad was the same way, when the wheels were coming off in a situation, that's the guy you wanted there. Stay calm. See, that's a big one. Stay calm. Okay, let's get let's get a handle on what's going on here, and we're going to figure this thing out. And uh, Dave Penn had a huge impact in my life. I think about him often in my ministry and how he helped me the thing that he really helped me with in ministry, because my dad was a farmer and not in ministry, was how to prioritize my time and how to make sure that the most important things were happening every week. That was huge. That was huge. And, and he helped me a lot in that regard. So then the opposite side of that, uh, not to be a pessimist, but to, to really draw this thing out from a practical standpoint, what are a few red flags that leaders who are listening into this should be on the lookout for? Indications that they've got some work to do in this uh, servant leadership area? Well, I, th- I think the, the things that you have to watch out for, of course, just by the nature of the, the phrase servant leadership is selfishness. Uh, you, have to, you need to check your motives. Uh, you have to watch out. Are you accountable? If you show me someone that's in a leadership position and it doesn't look like that they have accountability built in, either like an accountability partner or some system in place, 
I would be really concerned for that person. Accountability is huge. Uh, to this day, and I'm 66 years old, to this day, I meet with a friend of mine every week at 6 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, and we're accountability partners. And we've been doing that for 20 years. And that's huge. So the, the flags that I would see is someone who doesn't have that in their life. Uh, people aren't sure exactly what their motives are. I would say, too, uh, in the way that they express their emotions. Uh, do they do they get angry real fast where they fly off the handle and they're always having to apologize? You know, and I know that. I know people are wired differently. I understand that. Uh, that there's great passion. There's great urgency. And sometimes people can really get upset. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of watch some of these coaches, especially in professional sports or even big-time college sports. I'll watch coaches that are just going crazy on the sidelines. And I'm going like, wow. You know, when you're in that kind of emotional state, you're often susceptible to saying or doing something really stupid. One of my daily prayers is, Lord, help me not to do or say anything stupid today because I'm very capable of it. But you watch a person who's very composed. Um, I was watching uh, Virginia. I think it was with a coach. I want to say Tony Bennett. Is that right? I think that's the son. I think so. Um, I watched how composed he would stay, even under the most pressure situations. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, there's a guy that understands servant leadership. That was uh, so. Last week we were in um, California for the Entree Leadership Summit, and Peyton Manning was one of the guest kind of guys that got interviewed there. And he talked about Pony Dungy and yeah, how there's another one, cool and calm. And he's like, I never heard him raise his voice. Uh, and then he had other coaches that would you know fly off the handle, but he had a plan. He was yeah. strategic, but he also stayed cool when the you know when the wheels came off. Yeah, I think negativity, and with that too, you're talking about flags, complaining would be a flag for me. Yeah. Uh, Tony Dungy actually in his book talks about when he was uh, the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had a policy, and the policy was no complaining. Even if you had a legitimate one, we're just not going to complain. We're not going to make excuses. Yeah. Because complaining and blaming kind of go hand in hand. So I would say if those are some flags. Negative, you know, a really strong leader knows how to – Stay positive and encouraging. I like I like the uh, the idea that the CEO is a chief encouragement officer instead of chief executive officer, because fundamentally, and I learned this from John Maxwell, that the leader is responsible for morale. And the reason is why is if the leader's not well, then who is? Probably nobody. Yeah. Somebody has to take ownership and and. Get a feel for, so what is the morale of my company or my organization? What does it look like? And, I mean, I know that adults need to take responsibility for their own morale. That's part of it. But a leader uh, must see the big picture. And if there's low morale, uh, then usually there's a leadership problem. And I see this all the time, too. Yeah, so as we start to close this thing out, uh, you are, I was thinking about this this morning, if there's another person that I know that's maybe more well-read than you, I know for sure you've given me more books than anybody else in my life. Um, so are there resources? I know there are, but what resources specifically would you recommend or steps that folks listening in should take? Uh, you're saying, you know, freshman boys to now, I'm 34 and I got four kids. What steps should I take? What steps should people listening in take uh, to move toward being a servant leader and maybe what resources uh, should they be looking at? You know, I think there are some really great books out there on servant leadership. 
I'm sure, some that I haven't even read. But when I think about the essence of servant leadership, I think about humility. There's a little book on humility by a guy named Andrew Murray that's just phenomenal. I don't know how many times I've read that. It's a little devotional book. Um, You gave that to me. Yeah, probably gave gave it to you. Mm -hmm. A, A recent book, Canoeing the Mountains, is really outstanding. He doesn't really talk that much about servant leadership in it, but he's the whole book is really about servant leadership, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't you know describe it as such. Uh, and then, like I said, there's been other sources. I would say that one of the best ways to learn it is from somebody else that really understands it. And of course, the life of Christ. If if a person is interested in the life of Christ, I know not everybody is, but if a person is a follower of Christ, to study his life, he's amazing in this area. And one of the things that he's so amazing in is how he can uh, illustrate a point in a way that people can really understand, communication skills. And one of his favorite communication skills, and this would really go along with being a great leader, is knowing what are the right questions to ask. He was a master at asking great questions. And I think if you see a leader that's really effective, they know how to ask great questions. Uh, So at the end of the day, and I know that's a well-used phrase, but I would say really it's true that if you can find somebody Mm -hmm. and and see them as your mentor, you know, uh, whether it's a person that you're reading after or a person that is geographically in a position, you know, around you where you can spend time with them, that's probably your greatest resource is to see someone else and see how they do it and how they handle situations. John, it has been... Again, over 20 years that I've known you, and still, every time that we get together, there's something for me to take away. Obviously, this is a lot more pointed. We're not just out to breakfast, but uh, this is typically how I feel when we're at breakfast or at lunch or whatever. There's something for me to walk away with, and so I thank you for taking time today, Um, but to put feet to it, you've been that for me among other people, uh, for other people, but you've been that to me and my wife. Um, for people listening in that don't know, uh, my wife and I, uh, we didn't date at the time, but we both at different times worked um, with John at Youth for Christ in different capacities. And, um, and, and one of John's sons was a great friend of mine growing up. So um, I agree with what you just said about finding someone because it has been very helpful to have tough conversations with you. To see you as a dad, to see you as a leader at Youth for Christ, and to see you as uh, a coach uh, when we've done Celebrate Life, you know, all those years ago. Um, so thank you. Thank you for, for demonstrating it, for being real, and that relational congruency of seeing you, you know, whether it's mowing the grass and I'm eating all your leftovers, or I'm actually, you know, pulling up on my scooter to Youth for Christ back in the day, um, all the way to helping officiate my, my wedding. I'm grateful for you, John, and uh, thank you for this conversation about servant leadership. Well, it certainly was a pleasure, and I'm very proud of you and and Beth, and uh, mostly how you're raising your family and seeing you follow Christ. That brings great joy to my heart. Thank you. Thanks a lot, John. As I said, There's a ton of stuff there, and now I have to distill down a takeaway and an action item. But before I do that, after we were done recording, there was a couple things that came from John that I want to mention. So 
he said another red flag that uh, he looks for and, and, and calls out in people is when there's this desire to impress people or to constantly position yourself with some sort of image that isn't real. That's a red flag that you are not a servant leader and it could lead to some pretty damaging things. So he tells people you got the I word wrong. It's inspire, not impress. So now on to the action item and the takeaway. First of all, the takeaway. John Nelson nailed it. Servant leadership is not about the position that you're in based on your title. It is about the position that you're in based on influence and what you're using that influence for. So are you helping bring people up? Are you helping make people better? What are you using your influence for? Action item. I think it was great that John said that he is a person that needs to see it happen because I'm that way too. But from him to us, all that we're listening in, we need to have mentors. We need to have people that are pouring into us. You can't do this leadership thing alone. So get people in your life that have been there, that have experienced some things. Don't just read books and listen to podcasts. Get someone that you can look at in the face, ask questions, and have them tell you if you've got it right or you've got it wrong to encourage you, to inspire you, and to correct you. If you've enjoyed the content in this episode, like, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff, and then engage with us. And I want to encourage you too, if you're intrigued and will actually read the book or listen to the book, uh, let me know. So Canoeing the Mountains is one of the books that John mentioned. I'm going through it right now. I would love to have people engage with me specifically about that book and ask questions and we can dialogue about what you're learning and what I'm learning. So maybe I can hook you up with a copy. I'm not gonna be able to give everybody a copy of the book, but if you're not gonna read it, don't hit me up about it. If you will read it and go through it, hit me up. You can hit me up through LinkedIn or through impactpodcast at ccbtechnology.com. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you're having a fantastic start to your week. And as always, from all of us here at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.